Welcome to the 6th annual Drunk on Comics Holiday Bad Movie Review starring a star-studded cast, the regulars plus extras, uh, <laughs> reviewing... <laughs> I just like, <laughs> like how far can he go before any of us yeah, just yeah. stop him? Well, that's what I was gonna do, like extravaganza, <laughs> explosion. I had forty-two minutes of intro prepared, prepared to go. No, God, that's, that's, that's we're just gonna, keep, we're just gonna keep fading in and out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if this was a good podcast, we would have done the music underneath that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but we're like not. So it's gonna me. be after. Yeah. So it's gonna be yeah. Welcome, you know. Is that a no where I'll surprise her and be like, ah, oh, it's too loud. So I should have left the back. <laughs> but uh, me, Linz, and Anthony are, are, are back again with our significant others. Linz brought Josh. Linz, Anthony, and Anthony I. Anthony brought Aaron. <laughs> I brought my roommate, Nick. And, uh, we, <laughs> and yes, we enjoyed uh, the movie pick this year, which was Dune. But not the newest Dune, the 1984 Dune. Yep, the, the David, David Lynch, Lynch Dune. Masterpiece. Masterpiece of Mas- something. Piece. A piece of something, is what, more <laughs> or less. Beauty's but. in the eye of the beholder, so I'm sure someone thought of it was a masterpiece. Yes, but it, it, it was fun. Uh, this is a whole hour of really some good content. Like, you don't need to watch this movie anymore. In fact, watch the new one. <laughs> Because you really don't want to watch this one. Not That's really. pretty much Unless what our review is. Unless you love Sting's nipples. <laughs> Very much so. And a lot of other There's weird There's not enough stuff. of them to go around. So <laughs> Get it while you can. <laughs> Be like Vladimir. Vladimir. I can't even say it. I'm a little drunk now. Uh, Vlad Vladimir. Looks at Sting's nipples the way that it is. He does look at them nipples. While floating. <laughs> Lots of floating. He's high on the nipples, man. Bring in that weird, fat, floating man. But with that, uh, grab a cold one and enjoy the next hour while you listen to our annual holiday review extravaganza. Whatever it is that Anthony said Party before. Party time, extreme. Wayne's World. Yeah, Wayne's most World. amazing podcast ever. Thank Anthony described Sponsored this. by, insert sponsor here, probably Netflix. Yeah, you said you said that the, <laughs> listening to this podcast was like sticking your hand into a scary, scary box. Yes. And then that. A vagina box. <laughs> you get mad at me for saying vagina. <laughs> Say box with it, and then you're kosher. Yeah, box makes it okay. But with that, uh... you're gonna have to edit the shit out of this intro. <laughs> Everyone just keep talking. Oh, I'm too drunk for that. Uh, this was definitely a, a drinking movie, so I'm not even gonna say grab a cold one again because you, you already know already to did. do that. Yeah. yeah. Grab a warm one, too. It'll... Usually that goes into the episode number and the name of the podcast, but you just went on editorializing the whole time. <laughs> and I'm throwing this all in anyway, so enjoy the content. Bye. <laughs> Love you. Moadim! It's a killing word. Uh, <laughs> no, you're going to shoot us with the little laser gun. <laughs> yep. Don't worry, the actual animation and effect isn't in the budget, so...
<laughs> were you trying to like uh, channel Patrick Stewart there? Yeah. Well, it's it's the stage presence. You have to have Patrick Stewart stage presence. That's you gotta key. puff your chest out yeah. like that too. Yep. Well, that's the thing is that you have to when you're on stage, the people in the nosebleeds can't see you, so you have to like be exaggerated yep. with all your motions, which is a hundred percent how all the people in that movie acted. And and chest thrusts are the greatest sign of masculinity. Yes, I have a large chest. <laughs> I must be masculine. Look at how puffy I am. <laughs> Look at how tiny my nipples are. <laughs> oh, Sting? Yeah. Is that you? <laughs> Man, this movie uh, was interesting. It's not the worst bad movie we've ever watched. No. No, no. Uh, but it definitely made me not really want to read the books. <laughs> you, can, you can see why it's like a cult classic, because so many cults are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> So, David, David Lynch has a very similar following to like a Jim Jones, so I could see that. That you is know? true. If yeah. you if David Lynch told some people to drink the Kool Aid, they'd be like, oh, yeah. "Hey, David Lynch." Or the spice. That's flavor aid. Yeah. For sure. Well, David like, Lynch oh. is just all over the place. Like he can make just like you know, twin. It's so different what this movie was than from Twin Peaks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's all over. Well, I think you know if you look. Look at movies like you could pick out a Tarantino film, mm. right? From what it looks like, when it comes to something like a David Lynch, it's really the style of the movie ends up adapting a little bit to what his content is, but it's always fever dream esque. Yes. It's like, man, it's like someone started with, uh, someone told you a really good idea for a movie. And then you just like word vomited a script onto a page, but never reviewed it. And then right. just threw it up and they said, all and right. Just put the mayor of Portland in it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sure, we'll give you 30 million to shoot this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we get into the movie and everything, uh, I first want to go around the room because have you read the book? No. Okay. Book? No. I know you have, Nick. You're I'm the only one probably that has. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, nope, I haven't read it. And Aaron? I have not. Okay. But we've all seen the, the newer movie, right? Yes. Which There's going to obviously be some comparisons to that, because that's all the references that I really Would have. you say that we're going to make this a spoiler-free podcast? No. Yes, from the yeah, yeah. this 1984 movie, we're going to be spoiler-free. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, it just came out. Uh, so otherwise I'm leaving. Yes. <laughs> but no, we're, uh, we're obviously going to touch upon all that. We want to mainly try to stick to this movie because that's what we always do and there's just just so happens that the part of the reason why we're doing this for a bad movie review this year is because the newest one came out right and this one was well and you can't get good. you can't get different any further apart difference than mm-hmm. the this movie and the new one <laughs> well, style wise even like you're talking about spoilers right the Ten. sand looked the same uh, no it didn't <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's true the sand <laughs> I mean, the idea that uh, the new movie, right, it stopped about halfway through this movie, story-wise, where they fill, it's about the same length, but they fill that out much yeah. more in the new movie. Even if you technically had watched this and knew the ending, I don't know that would really spoil a whole lot for you when they make part two. Right. Because just the production value is different. Every element is different. The acting, the effects, mm-hmm. it's just such a different movie. And the pacing of this movie is so total crap that half the yeah. time you're like, I just watched this movie 
and I actually don't know what happened. And then the last scene happens, and you're like, <laughs> they explained what's going to happen like going forward in this universe, and I don't know what they said. The whole well, I don't time remember what they no said idea. in the opening monologue <laughs> yeah. as well, because at least it wasn't a scroll that we had to watch, uh, but like and right. read. Well, at least yeah. it wasn't Star Wars. I, That's what I said about Dune. At least it wasn't one of the biggest movie franchises of all time. I just thought it was funny that the editor kept trying to get rid of the uh, the mom monologue. <laughs> she kept he kept fading out on her, and she kept coming back. Wait, one more thing. I'm not done. I'm not done. One, it implies like that. I kept thinking something was gonna pop up in the <laughs> yeah. stars, like, yeah. you know, uh, Star Wars, right? The scroll disappears, ship comes in from the background. Like, yeah. it, it's like the person disappeared. You have a star, and you're like, is a planet gonna show up? Are they gonna pan to a ship? Oh no, she's coming back yeah. again. Okay. Yeah. And then she goes away. And you're like, now, oh no, she's coming back again. Yeah. It feels like the editor was like. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like, tones yeah. it down. Like, whoop, moving this fader down. <laughs> and then the director was sitting next to him. I was like, yeah, I like <laughs> just that. Quietly, I'll bring her back quietly, in. Just quietly yeah, yeah, no, that up. was cool, too. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's make this a thing. And it's like, don't riff on I was trying to, mm, okay. So the, that just scene got was, disappointed. <laughs> was added not by David Lynch, but by Dino De Laurentiis, because he cut an hour out of David Lynch's movie mm-hmm. and then had to add story back in But that person's shortly. name was the first person's name that we see. Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, it's like he's the, the executive very producer. first thing. Yeah. Well, there's like a couple different uh, versions of this Dune, none of which are the director's cut. Okay. He won't do a director's cut. <laughs> he asked them to take his name off the movie when they put it on television. Ah. If you watch the television version, it's Alan Smithy, which is the pseudonym directors use when they don't want their name on a movie. Yep. Mm. <laughs> well, there's so, out of all the different cuts that I know there's out there, there was a fan edit by the name of someone named Spice Diver. The only way to legally get this is to go surfing the pirates in their so bays. You, not legally. So, yeah. 4chan. Tony found this on 4chan. <laughs> I go there daily. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and anyway, uh, look for that because everyone is saying that this one, somehow the person edited it up from all the different movies because there's different scenes of them and re- Placed where some of the scenes happen to make it just, I guess, work better. How and long is it? What the fan edit? Yeah, thirty I, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they cut more out. Just made it. There's no stain. It's an audio book. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's uh, just the audio book. Two point three hours. It's it's, 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 about it's literally minutes. nobody or talking. It's all voiceovers. Or like yeah, two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Two point five. Two and a half. <laughs> It's like, are you, are you doing it in percentages? <laughs> it's 2%, as long as it should have been. <laughs> Just throwing that, that fact out there. But, uh, yes, this uh, could have been way longer. I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, but you guys also notice after the lady just talking and everything, they had, like, all their B-roll of, like, all the sand spots. Like, they're like, we got all this extra footage of sand. Well, let's have the opening credits just scroll over them. And I felt those were pretty damn long as well. Like, I have those down in my notes is that. And one of the things, too, we've all took notes during this. I typically try to touch upon the characters. Uh, I don't know what everyone else kind of was focusing on besides the plot and everything, but 
Um, I put alien with vagina mouth. Oh, yeah, I badge mouth. Yeah. Or, uh, I, I thought it was the nose at first, I, that it was like sniffing. It's so really sad for you guys though. that you think that's what vaginas look like, though, yeah. right? But uh, honestly, I will say this based on. <laughs> I mean, some can look like that. Yeah. You never know. Hopefully, you're good. not based It looks like vagina mouth. It looks like several vaginas. Yeah. Right? Well, it's like crammed close together. You've got that alien, right? And there's definitely some, like, some weird, like, cavity form going on with like its mouth and stuff and then you had all the baby stuff going on and it's like somebody who didn't quite know how this kind of stuff works <laughs> directed a scene is like yeah let's put like a baby but they're like in a pool right like, like babies are baby. like just a big water pool and then they yeah. just kind of like slowly rise out of it when they're born and you're just like wait a minute this i get the visual imagery they're going for it but you could just like show a mother in labor, right? You don't necessarily have to show this bloodied like yeah. kind of fetus. That's a real. Out of water. That's a real David Lynch yeah. sort of move yep. for sure. But that was also one of the few organic moments of horror in the film that I felt like, oh, this is bridging the gap between a shitty horror movie and a really good one, where now you've got this imagery and it's really powerful and it actually looks good. It doesn't look like garbage. It's not a bunch of people running around yelling pew, pew, pew at each other. (laughs) But uh, David Lynch mixes that in with a bunch of people running around shouting pew, pew, pew at each other, which is weird. That's a weird choice. And I, I think it is foolish to think that David Lynch said, I want to make this kind of movie. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the movie, it, when I said fever dream, it's like each scene was individually conceptualized according to some plot line. Not, there, there's no flow, right? I mean, you've got, for immediately, you've got weird cuboid combat with the well, weird shields the spice and stuff. Must flow. And, I mean, that's just basically <laughs> it. It's just that yeah. there is there is a movie and a story underneath it, but each scene is so disjointed from the mm-hmm. last one. And then for me, and it was something right at the beginning with like the intro, and you were talking about focusing on characters. I struggled to focus on anything specific in this movie because that music drew me out <laughs> constantly. You didn't like Toto and the rocking like. <laughs> Listen, if I was just listening to an album, sure, the music is pretty cool. But you know, if I was getting high, some of that atmospheric stuff would probably be pretty dope. But it was like droning <laughs> on for like ten minutes. The same like weird like keyboard synth sound Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's a rock ballad that comes in and it's like wait in the rock ballad doesn't even like crescendo at any point it's all the same level of intensity you're like all of a sudden there you're like wait which part of this battle is the exciting part is it the whole thing (laughs) you know it was really drawing me away so it was hard to even like pick up on somewhat of what the characters were doing because the music was just droning in my head the whole time I thought it was the writing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I blame the movie. Yeah. Well, I had uh, I heard that they were uh, having Ridley Scott try to do this, but he left to go do productions on uh, Blade, Runner? Blade Runner. Okay. And so that's why we didn't get the Ridley Scott really, version. Really missed out. Yes. But also, David Lynch was going to go direct uh, Star Wars. the Return of the Jedi yeah. and decided to do this one instead. Thank God, because that's my favorite original trilogy movie is Return of the Jedi. And I would Return, hate it. Bomb, Return is the one with the it. giant worm, sandworm, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one that George Lucas decided should look more like the worms from Dune the next time that he was able to edit it. Yeah, mm. yep. 
they added the little tentacle mouth and like, stuff like that coming out. Thing to it. Oh, we'll get into how much. Uh, there's a lot he of stole movies from. This well, yes, there's book. a there's so many movies influenced by this, like Dune as a movie was so weird. Well, it's not even the movie, just as a whole, because everyone talks about the books, talks about this universe, talks about yeah. how amazing it is for sci-fi, and then we have this movie, yeah. which doesn't help it any. Feels so obligated to yes and it, because there are so many really great, like, there are moments of this where I look and I say, that's where Tim Burton's Batman came from. That is where Star Wars got this technique from. That is where, and, and there are so many moments like that, but it's all sandwiched within, like, <sighs> Twin Peaks acting, like a fake melodrama of the caricatures of the characters from the books. It's like well, a fake version of a fake version of a fake version. It's so Lynchian. Well, it's, it's, it's like looking at the film individually scenes or as a movie, right? Are you, What are you looking at? Are you reviewing? When I go to Rotten Tomatoes, I don't get a scene-by-scene scene rating, right? I get right. a movie rating. <laughs> and so... You know, the reality being that no one will ever watch the entirety of the movie and then walk out pleased in, in different ways, right? Because <laughs> it's not like a movie that you leave and you're like, wow, that was enjoyable. You're like, man, what the hell happened? But in a There's film... so many people who love this movie, mm-hmm. though. I Well, I do secretly love it now that we've watched it and had some fun riffing on it, but it's nothing compared to the new one. The new one, holy shit, that was just amazing. And blew and, my mind. And I'll say it's not just because of the effects. Like, the visuals are great, right? But back then, they didn't even have, you know, we talked about a little bit Star Wars. Star Wars effects are not computer generated. Right. The original Star Wars was like filmogra- cinematography tricks that they used, right? And so in this, you can see some of those tricks and stuff, and they're limited by their technology, but even without having the ability to show, right, the cuboid, weird cube shield thing that they had, yeah, where you yeah. couldn't even see oh, who the, the actor was underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I, I thought it was really bold of them. Minecraft. I thought it was really bold of them speaking of Star Wars and everything. I thought it was bold for them to decide to do what Star Wars did for swords with personal... Shields, like like that's what they tried to make really they sound, cool they out of like it. Lightsabers. Yeah, they did, <laughs> and it's like, but it's not going to be anywhere near as cool because it's just this boxy thing that's right. over you instead of like. And this a, came out a good solid five years after the yeah. right five years after the first yeah, Star Wars. Unless I'm crazy, so like David Lynch stole from Star Wars. <laughs> I don't. Well, he might have started making this movie well before they started <laughs> making Star Wars. The hard. Well, I think like you mentioned, Tony, right? The book existed. So the concepts that the movie created weren't, you know, maybe how they were visualized, right? Because that's the one thing about movies, especially if you're a book reader, you can do Harry Potter, whatever. The voices will sound different than what your head mm-hmm. made for the characters. The appearance of the characters is going to be like, that doesn't seem to really fit what the book described them as. But then also the visualization of, like, concepts, like a tablet, right? In the beginning, he had a modern tablet, what we would call a tablet now, where he was cycling through a computer getting all kinds of information, right? That's pretty good for 1984 to think of, you know, tablets, right, that's ahead of its time. But that was, you know, that's a book concept that, oh, the character looked at this and this is what it looked like and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot to go off of. It's just the visualization came off as kind of weird when you watch a movie, what, 40 years after it was made? Yeah, pretty much so. And... One of the things too, that you were saying, too, with just the visuals and just uh, the look of, of everything, 
I couldn't stop but look at Kyle McLaughlin and just like think of he looks exactly like how he looks now. Yeah. But <laughs> but not in the good way. Like he looks because I've old seen, then. seen him. Yes, he looks old <laughs> then and old now. Where then when pa- when Picard shows up, he looks old then. Exactly. And old no, no, but, but, but he also looks. I think he he rocks it with. With just being, I don't think Picard is old. Like Patrick Stewart is Pat- young Patrick at heart. Patrick Stewart well, he, is the only man that can rock that dad bald head. Like with he the does, with the hair on the side. I'm not gonna lie though. He could he could rock the mullet. No, this, but like, this was full mullet by oh the end. Oh my god, of the when movie. he when he had the mullet at it the end, scary. I was like, he looked like the dungeon master. <laughs> I was really <laughs> I was really hoping for a ponytail. Oh. I was really hoping yeah. for him to wrap Just it a back. little side pony? Yeah. A little Patrick little Stewart braid. side pony. <laughs> What's what, well like when when him and Al <laughs> and then Unibrow showed up like in like one of the first scenes. Oh my god. I was first eyebrows. like what the fuck is we with the eyebrows? We couldn't even remember what character he is in the new one. Just because of the difference, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, I, you know a lot of this for me for this movie, and I saw I've seen clips of it recently, just because like YouTube's been throwing them up. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'll look through these and seeing those and kind of looking at it. And it's again, it's the same with Star Wars, right? They're space operas, so they're exaggerated. Everyone talks about Star Wars. They, we have the prequels and the modern stuff, which are much less operatic. Mm-hmm. You go listen to the dialogue in the original trilogy. Oh, God. It is, it's terrible. It is tough. It's so bad. Um, and it's the same thing in this. But again, these are... The film industry didn't exist like it does now then, right? And so a lot of these people are stage actors moving into film. And so they're very bombastic. The, the set designers and everybody, these are all people who come from stage. A lot of them and so you can see that influence where well let's make the eyebrows gigantic and it's like well why are the eyebrows gigantic like, i don't know let's do the so herpes you can see lip from and, the back yeah <laughs> well this yeah. definitely did a better job of explaining a bit of spice and everything than i felt the new movie did like the new movie did a lot of character development and who they were and how you know they're placed within the chessboard of this whole world but this one really went after Spice, but not as much as the books. Mm-hmm. No, and, well, with so Spice in general, I feel like the new movie treated Spice like the hallucinogen it was, but didn't kind of overtly call it out. Or I feel like bad parts. Yeah, and I feel like the you. David Lynch one was like, oh, Mom, can you smell its breath? Like, I love this hallucinogen. But then it still didn't, it relied on his talking over top of the uh, scenes that we were seeing, all of the post-generated content, essentially, of all the voiceovers that happened during the movie, which is like, I wrote down during the first half of the movie, this has more inner monologue than any movie I've ever seen. And yeah, then it, it continued to do that for the whole film to try like, to describe what the fuck character. was happening. It was every character too. Yeah. It was yeah, like it wasn't even just how the small the character was. They yeah. would have in their mind. It's like they didn't trust us to figure out what was going on in their heads, right? Yeah. Like they needed to make sure. It felt like David they Lynch was reading their inner monologue yeah. at the actor while they were shooting it too. Like, all right, we're gonna put the camera on you, and now during this scene, stare at the camera. No, you you look here over at the camera. I'm going to say the lines that you're thinking, and then make the looks that you would look while you were thinking. Like it's just well, such a strange concept for a film. I think it is. It can be clever. 
right? That could have been used as a very unique tool. I think the problem is, is that the way it's presented in the kind of whispery voice, it looks psychic in nature. Like mm, at, okay. at first, and even like, even though you know it's the inner monologue, later on you're like, are they talking to each other? And all of a sudden, the little girl starts using the same inner monologue voice. And is she actually psychically? Because now she's controlling a guy, right? Is that just her inner monologue expressing power? Or is she actively psychically connecting this person? But also three minutes movie time, she was dying because Paul took some water and was stealing her power or something. Or she started bleeding from her eyes <laughs> yeah, and nose. Yep. And I'm like, okay, yeah, she's nailed dead. It. Nailed it. You, that's but exactly wait, she's what a, happens. She's like, obviously it's not what happened in the book, but that's what they showed in the movie. In which case, that's what I wrote down. Yeah. Um, like, what the fuck's going on? Oh, she's still here. Cool. They're all still here. The mom, the the girl, the yeah, um, all of them that seemed the like they were dying in one giant. Just... Well, they even said <laughs> that's the thing. In one of their like, oh, the the princess. So it's like the emperor's daughter is the yeah. one who does the intro at the beginning, and she's kind it's of the, princess hero. Yeah, she's kind of like the narrator at a lot of the parts in the mm-hmm. film, and it's her only role. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. I mean, she just stands around otherwise, <laughs> but she actually says, and then the you know the mother. Uh, sacrificed her life force in order for this. And I was like, oh, she died. And then, like, the next scene, I'm like, oh, oh, she's not dead. And, and it was like, okay, so maybe it's, you know, they started to look somewhat similar once they shaved all their hair off. And all there was, all of a sudden, we have three women, two you women and a girl. You white ladies look the same, Anthony? And when they all shave all their hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they all wear the exact same outfit, all of a sudden, they start to look very similar. And I thought Patrick Stewart was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you put that helmet, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I just got constantly triggered because of my SNL flashbacks with Shane O'Connor. <laughs> I, one thing that I really struggled with, and I struggled with this in the new movie, too, I watched, so I watched the like late 90s early 2000s run that they did of this on I think sci-fi oh, channel did the, John Goodman the uh, John Goodman uh, what, no. what do you call John, it John, um, it was a mini series William Hurt William Hurt yeah John Goodman but the mini series <laughs> was based was on the third set of books The Children of Dune right well there was Children of Dune that was a sequel to the to the the mini series they did before that oh okay they did well, Nick I really you in here because I thought you were the expert yeah. but yeah <laughs> yeah so the, the the Dune TV mini series 2000 yeah 2000 right? that sounds yeah, right yeah December yeah. 3rd 2000 it, it was, was really good all based on the the coming of a messiah yeah right? which is yeah uh, Paul Atreides so right what, what and I don't remember watching when I watched that being stuck on this, but I I've been I was stuck on it with this movie and the new one as well, where it's like why are these Jesuit the Benny Jesuits, why are the they have this whole religion based around the Messiah, on this one planet mm-hmm. that none of them are from really, you know and it's like they're so realizing that there's more books I'm guessing. There's like tie-ins with that, There's but like a lot. it does not get explained whatsoever. Like why this whole religion is based around. Well, well, they this movie. Well, in the newer movie, they yeah didn't delve too much into who they were and everything. I learned a lot from just over the years reading about this universe and and kind of knowing that they're like these secret nuns that like can you know have the force or whatever. But, like, in this movie, though, having them more predominant, it was, like, then Jesuit in the streets and a Harkonnen in the sheets, like, that, that that Supreme, was it the Supreme Mother or whoever that had her, him stick 
hand in the box. Hand in her box? Yeah, in her <laughs> box. Like, literally make the joke, but well, it was, she what, had an orgasm she, yeah. while, like, it was so surreal. It's like, you know, step one, cut a hole in the box. Step two, <laughs> put the box put your on your crotch. No. Yeah. Step three, then get Paul to put his hand in the box. I just want to point out, he wrote all of that down. Yeah. He paused the movie. Gold. I did too. <laughs> this is gold, Jerry. This is... <laughs> I need you to pretend for me. I mean, I see a lot of this through the eyes of David Lynch just sitting by the side and being like, in this scene, and it, I don't know the guy. I haven't watched his behind the scenes of him inter- being interviewed for anything, but David Lynch as a, a third party in all of this anything that he's ever made I just feel like he's sitting just off camera asking people to do creepy things oh, of course. and then not explaining why to them no. so then the scene doesn't explain why and so with the Bene Gesserits uh, which I think if you call them the Bene Jesuits all of a sudden you start breaking into a lot of the lore actually of what Frank Herbert tried to do which is something that, like, I'm going to bring back around to the Guild Navigator in a weird way. Vagina knows. Vagina knows. Vagina knows. If I looked at you and said, this is a human, would you have been like, yeah, makes sense? Yeah. Would you have been like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of like, no, it's some space alien thing that they use to teleport through space. I don't know. It it definitely did not look anything like a human. So, how did we get from human to that? What evolution track did we go down? But they didn't even say that that was a no. Human. They just kind of were like, "These are guild navigators." I just assume they're space monsters. They're uh-huh. in space, and they cool. can fold space time. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of I would say the biggest <laughs> critique that I have in the movie, like that, it, it applies to a lot of things, and particularly the guild navigators is the idea that their elements are introduced without explanation. And you have two options. You explain them, or you don't introduce them. Right? You don't need to bring the guild <laughs> navigator in. You could have the human people, because that's the thing. We see in another scene, likely the budget just didn't support it. People come in instead, and we're like, we represent the guild, shut up. And it'd be like, oh, okay, even though he's the emperor, obviously the guild is more powerful, right? right? Some kind of right. financing the emperor situation. Yeah. They actually got that They're... across in this movie, which yeah. is insane. But not with but the not. guild navigator, right. with the weird dudes that came in afterwards, <laughs> right. Right? right? Yeah, they could just be a guild that, that has harnessed this advanced uh, warp speed technology of slowly fading in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, getting back to how how this all ties into the Bene Gesserits and and the the Harkonnens and all of these different people, uh, during one point in the movie, somebody says the word during this film, shihad, which in the book is straight up jihad, and the reason that it is jihad is because it's a religious war, mm-hmm. and in the books they connect the dots for you hardcore. They say, so. This is a jihad because all humans come from the original humans of Earth. Mm-hmm. And we went out there, we did our thing. We did what what we think of as like human exploration and populated the galaxy. Blah, blah, blah. 
skilled navigators are humans that have sucked so much spice into their brain holes that they can fold space-time. So, spice, very powerful. Guild navigators, very powerful. Never anywhere does he say big, giant, weird dick worm with pussy mouth. <laughs> like, never anywhere. And so oh, in there's, the book? Yeah, there's... Oh. there's The guild navigators are considered like a, like a fish species in the book. They are humans that have kind of evolved to swim in these tanks that they live in. But they live in these tanks specifically so they can ingest so much psychedelic into their brain that they can just fold space-time, like, as an action. Well, like, we can get you warp speed right now, bro. Boom! And they just think it really hard, and you're like there. I, I get really high sometimes and feel right? like <laughs> <laughs> I folded space-time once. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think... <laughs> I speak so many languages right now, bro. I got this Canadian edible well, once well, that made me do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's just... The, that's, that's kind of where... All of Frank Herbert just keeps using all of these words like jihad, Bene Gesserits, which sounds like Jesuits yeah. because they're a priest order. Mm-hmm. All of these different things that he ties all back to original humanity of literally the bullshit that humans have been going through for the last 2,000 years. He tried to use that as a jumping off point and say, like, what if we actually make it? We get out there into space, and then this is the world that we existence so like most of these things are not space creatures but most of these things are just humans wasn't that the war though fish creatures wasn't the war a war against machines like oh yeah terminator yeah. like so that's why we have these humans navigating space because they don't have real computers anymore because they destroyed it all in the machine war well, i think like, that's something that they really missed you know with that being wait a, what that's what I think that's in the book. Is that not no, true? No, this is this is real. Like uh, the whole idea. You don't even get that from the f- no. the new movie. The no, butler. No. So he uses jihad. Uh, how do you say it? He uses jihad very liberally all over the place. So the butlerian jihad in the books is humanity being like, oh no, this is evil, and they destroy the machines. Like if you're familiar with. Uh, Judeo-Christian history, Jesus went in the marketplace and said, ah, this money's evil, and then tossed all the tables over. Humans did that against thinking machines, quote-unquote. And those thinking machines were already to space travel, right? They could go, like, super far distances. But they were like, oh, we can't can't use these anymore. Did you not know any of this? No, I did not. I really don't. I didn't understand... (laughs) Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> to be honest, I really did not understand the movie. Well, I think even the new one, I had hard time like following. Yeah, because I, I never read the books. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where also too, I think though, with the new movie, not ha- knowing any of that, and they didn't introduce that. If they don't introduce it, it wouldn't it's be not anything important. that came up. I mean, yeah. I guess it is important for like overall how the book goes and everything, because the guild is kind of a big, powerful entity, which they could sure. still pull in in the second movie. However, if they didn't go down that route and they just made this about Paul and the revolution on, you know, Tatooine and everything, that things would turn out great. But yep. uh, who knows if that's the way they're going to go. Tatooine. Yeah, isn't that what Arrakis is? Like, didn't George Lucas pull that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I was playing Anorexia. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Well, they don't have a lot of food there. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Or water. Yeah. Until they secret rain. Which, you know, that's another thing. The secret rain. Um, You're skipping to the end? <laughs> I know. We still got like so an hour to record. <laughs> well, it's, the reason I bring it up is because of the fact that it's connected to the original showing of the water. Right? R- pretty early in the movie, um, you know, Paul gets stranded and he gets taken in, and then, oh, hey, you're pretty new, and at least from the timeline, and this is another complaint, I don't know how long it was between scenes. I have no idea. It looks <laughs> like the whole movie took about three days, mm-hmm. when in reality, it's years. Yeah, they trained. You're, yeah. They said at one point, two years yeah, later. that's the something. only time they mentioned time yeah. in the whole movie, but it's like they show him the water, you know, like a day after, he's like, hey... You're a random guy that just showed up in one Here's of our, our little rock water. Here's all our secret yeah. water. Want to teach us to fight? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, yet, you know, the connection against to, to the rain at the end, just the fact that I think, you know, like you're saying with the new movie, they don't bring in some of these elements. That's just like TV series where they, you if you bring in an element, you should be able to explain it, yeah. right? And so in a TV series, what's well, a longer form, right? It's a a movie split into 25 hour long episodes or whatever sure. but it's like in that concept you don't introduce a character unless you plan to use them mm-hmm. you don't introduce a power set or something like that right to classic you know I'm an anime fan Dragon Ball Z you don't introduce a villain until you're ready for that hero to fight that villain and if they have a power up then you need to make the process of getting the hero to that power level right where in this it's just like Maybe he sucked in enough spice, and now he just like throws, <laughs> you know, he swears really loudly now. And well, he's like Ray, right? Ray learned the force right away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's exactly. Everyone it. was real pissed about that. There's no payoff. It's like, wait, <laughs> Luke was getting his ass kicked the whole time, and he had to go to the the Yoda planet, and uh, you know, Dagobah, and he had to <laughs> live in a stupid swamp with this little creature for a time. He had to work at it, you know. That kind of thing. And there's I do a payoff, call it right? the Yoda planet. Yeah, yeah. I like how you called it the Yoda planet, and then you said this little creature. <laughs> <laughs> he gets one mention, and that's it. That's all right. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, I noticed in this movie that starkly different in the newest one was the Harkonnens and how in this they're just gross and putrid and everything. Ginger. Or I mean. Yes, in this one, they're, they're <laughs> so just gross and wow, putrid. Okay. Ginger. They are. They're gingers in this movie. Right, yeah. No, just throw that in with Tony's list of, like, incredibly Grossness. horrible well, I mean, attributes. I lived my life have. as a ginger for a while. I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> I was proud to be gross for a minute. In the new what? one, like, they just seem more militaristic, and there was a mm. little bit of, you know, some grossness, but... I didn't really see it as much as in this one with pus coming out and how just sadistic they are as well. Like, I, I, there was pretty much like a rape scene when they first introduced Vladimir Harkonnen. Yeah. Are you talking about when he rapes the blood out of him? He, he, yeah. <laughs> does I mean, a life, does a life rape. Yeah, I raped him boy. for sure. That's for the, the, uh, a lot of people have an issue with the new movies not indulging in the boy love because the Harkonnens are... They insinuate it though, don't they? The the Harkonnens are not so problematic but Vladimir Harkonnen is a serious like member of the what's the Nambla uh, Nambla he's a Nambla member (laughs) he's a he's not just a member he's a founder and the whole like uh, David Lynch introducing the heart plug 
instrument so that he can like, ooh, well, I can make your heart come all over anytime I want to unplug your heart. Like, that was definitely a symbolism thing and gross, but... Yeah, I don't know. Vladimir Harkonnen's kind of just in a little boys, and that's gross. And so he's a problematic character from the beginning in the books. Well, I think that's definitely a na- from still... the nature of modern society, right? The reflection of what's going on now. And something, you know, South Park gets away with Nambla because it's South Park, mm-hmm. right? And obviously it's a while ago, but it's much more modern than, like, Dune is. And so the idea of, like, this potentially child molesting, like owning little boys kind of character, it just, it would turn off an audience more than be like, ooh, he's super evil, right? He's like a space Hitler or something <laughs> like that. So, I mean, we keep saying little boy, but this kid was like 15. He was. <laughs> Not that, that makes I, it. He, I thought he was even older than that. Yeah. I thought he was like in his early <laughs> 20s or something. But that's even a glossing over. Right? <laughs> yeah. Herbert really truly put in the books was yeah. like, look, this dude's evil. He's so evil. All he likes sexually is little boys. And you get this this kind of vision in the books of, like, this dude rapes and murders all of his tiny little manservants. And in the movie, I feel like they tried to get that across with David Lynch's Dune, but they didn't even try with the new one. They were just like... Let's just kind of, that's a touchy subject politically, and we're just going to kind of leave that one alone for now. But we'll keep the oil. (laughs) What do you you mean? Oh, we're going to have this whole scene. He's like in this uh, whole pool of oil. It'll be great. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that is a thing that follows through in the books that, Every director so far has latched onto like the Harkonnens are covered in, they're covered in pus, and they love to bathe in oil. I don't know what the deal is. Well, e- evil people bathe in oil, right? But they got rid of the, the yeah, got I rid definitely of the don't have jugs of oil in my bathtub, <laughs> ready to go at any moment in time. <laughs> Mine just says oil can on it, but it's a really giant version of what the. Uh, what, the Iron Man? What was his the name? Tin the Tin Man? Tin Man. Are you talking about an oil can? <laughs> <laughs> it's called an oil can. Robert Stark used to use in the olden days of Marvel Universe. Sorry, this podcast is called what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Aaron, how many drinks have you had tonight? None. What? Is that why you're not talking? I had a Coke. You're supposed to be drunk. That's I'm what sorry. made the the show it's more my enjoyable. First time, sorry. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> now, uh, let's get into um, the voice of Gozer because when Jessica, the voice, what? Yes, like pretty much that. That is the joke that I made when we were watching it. But like that was such a like that took me out of like the movie a bit. Like how. This sounds like this. Like, especially from the little girl, like the little kid, his sister, his long lost sister that he didn't know he had, uh, showed up. She was born while he was there. Yeah, that was always. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't she, like, dead, though? I thought? No. No, it was. (laughs) Did I just miss She was born prematurely. You missed uh, the part because, of the movie that they cut out is what you missed. Probably because <laughs> I had taken that <laughs> she like lost the child in birth. No, it was just premature. They kind of they it's a, literally a line in the film during the whole thing where they say 
and the the you know the worm juice uh, forced her, which is what she drank, right? It forced her to basically go into labor early. But then the child grew faster than normal, yeah. right? So it had an accelerated growth and had automatic psychic powers that didn't need training like the other. Wait, that was Jesuit worm water. juice. Yes, the water of life. Yeah, the water life, which I, if I'm like correct, water. it's baby worm, like the baby sandworm, crushed into nope. juice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I see what you're doing. And it's well, I'm <laughs> holding my page down with that whole off kilter white cloth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't it's worry like about it's it. It's pointed at my dress. It's pointed. Yeah, yeah. It's pointed at my next page. Swipe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, so I thought we were doing this as a Zoom call, but everybody's here in person. <laughs> no, the, uh, yeah, the poison. So, like, early worm stuff is always poisonous. Late worm stuff is always hallucinogenic. So Frank Herbert does a good job of kind of, like, never just really mixing those two things. Uh, and I think that that's because in the very first book slash movie they're like she needs to transform this into the water of life so in the book they go into great detail what's she doing to transform the water of life how is she blah 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 well this stuff would naturally ferment into something that is hallucinogenic and normal but instead they're forcing this lady to essentially suck it into her body control the molecules within it change it into the next thing so it's kind of like and they mention that not, they it, mention that a little bit in the dialogue yeah but it has no basis and you're like okay maybe it's you know it's oh this must be poetic a little poetic action right, right. you don't realize that it's actually basically referencing the book's version of oh they're you know using their mind to control the liquid inside of them and it's you know what it's made of it just it, it sounds like you're the movie is saying she has to have a really strong mind to prevent her body from shutting down from this poison liquid and if she does she gets powers mm -hmm. and right. no man but, has but ever like, done it so you get the powers they from do that they also talk the, about the baby during that scene mm. but like you get powers from then drinking worm juice you also get powers from snorting worm cocaine but like it seems like the Ben Jesuit were here before finding the worms so like this voice is that connected to the worms or is that something separate yeah. that's the metachlorians okay yeah, 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 yeah. that explains yeah. it because yeah. <laughs> basically it's jedi mind tricks right that's pretty much what i thought yeah that is actually a pretty great like description of the real Bene Gesserit power is basically a jedi mind trick like i know the way that i can control you because I can see all your facial features, and Bene Gesserits actually contain all of their previous memories from every Reverend Mother before them. And there's a bunch of these Reverend Mothers, but they contain all of their memories. Do you, do you remember, like, in the book, does, does it... There can only be, <laughs> like, lots yeah. in the Dune universe. Do you, do you remember in the book if it said that they are using a voice... For it, or is yes. it okay? Or I didn't yeah. know if maybe like it was a cinematic thing just to explain. Pew, like, pew, pew. Well, kind of okay. like so. Like, voice cannons do not exist you. in the book. Okay. Just let's all just the voice cannons thing is the weirdest thing that David Lynch invented for this movie, and I don't understand why. 
I don't understand it, 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 what it, 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 is it was going probably, on with was, that shit. He just introduced it like, well, they need to have a more powerful weapon than gigantic fucking sandworms. It was probably the merchandising. Like, it was yeah, for the toys. <laughs> so they something, man. I don't cannons. understand. So they didn't yeah. have any weaponry. It was literally just using worms to defeat their foes. Well, the like, Fremen. Things like spears and stuff like that. All right, I'll tell you how it works really well in the books in a short way. The Sajukar are the Emperor's, like, super forces, right? They're, like, the Unsullied Mm -hmm. in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. They've never been beaten. They're trained from birth. They are just... They're murder machines. (laughs) The Harkonnens go up to them, and they're like, hey, we do need 6K Sajukar for this invasion, but we're going to get it done if we have 6K Sajukar. Like, send us some... Send us 6,000 of your men. We'll put them in our costumes... They're going to go down on Arrakis, and, and we're just going to beat the shit out of mm-hmm. the... Which we these, see. They're these Kaladin like weaklings. They're in like these radioactive suits with yeah. like the green mask, and they're just yeeting... Uh, <laughs> right? All over the place. <laughs> just grab people, and they're just like, whoop! In the David Lynch version, they just kind of whoop yeah. people off to the side. But like the Sajukar come in and start getting their butts kicked by the Fremen. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that this weird secretive desert force is full of people who are so hardened and so amazing at combat that they are just better than the best of the best in the universe. And so in the books, the Fremen are just that good. So they show up, they kick ass, and they go home. And in all of that time, they use very little water, which Uh they suck out of their body costumes. Mm. And that's cool. Body water. But... In the movies, they really don't. They 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 rely on whatever, like some kind of weird voice canon that Paul introduces to them, and they're like, "Is this a multi-level marketing scheme? Do we all need to buy these voice canons in order to become part of the? And then do I need to sell ten of them to my friends?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, I'm only going to train a hundred of you." And no, ninety-eight men, n- ninety-eight men, and two then children. two children. <laughs> and these two weird little kids, man, they're good though. They obviously <laughs> kick some ass. Well, I, that goes into the, one of the things that I found. <laughs> I was really, I found was unfortunate because, I mean, even in something like Star Wars, and I hate to make a comparison, but they're, you know, two sci-fi films right next to each other in time, and every time someone shot something in Star Wars, you saw that they shot something. It wasn't until they started going on their, like, killing rampage that the sound guns all of a sudden started showing visible, like, a little very vague green blob Mm -hmm. coming out. And I don't know if it's a sign of the remaster, right? Because we watched a remastered version. So some of the things were like, wow, this is awkwardly high fidelity. And we can see how <laughs> terrible the costumes are, right? Yeah. But it's like for the first, I don't know, 60% of the movie, you hear them go, ah, pew, pew. And, you know, they're basically saying, doing pew, pew guns. And nothing's happening. <laughs> but then people just get wiped out. They get thrown everywhere. And it's <laughs> like, oh, I guess something happened, right? <laughs> but there's no continuity to like, the explosion that happens in the sand from their gun, and then the final battle, there's just laser beams everywhere. All of a sudden, they just figured out how to turn on all their guns. There's laser beams going off. They've got these cannons. It's like, oh, they must have saved all their budget for this scene, this battle scene. And that was kind of difficult. I would have much preferred to have them just be, and it's the you know 80s, so it's not quite the same, but martial arts could have done something, right? Well, did you see Paul's, Paul's awesome like moves against... Yeah. The droid in the beginning, like, God, that action scene. <laughs> and then against like, Sting incredible. at the end, I mean, he really had some of them kung fu moves, right? 
They Who stared are... at e- they stared at each other a little longer than I think would have been. They were kind of like looking. <laughs> well, at Well, did you not look at Sting when he came out of his was he tanning <laughs> bed? <laughs> Steam tank, spray tan. Yeah, his yeah. Small small little nipples. All there. of yeah. all of Sting's acting in this movie was very tantric acting, <laughs> and only three scenes of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of smiled a lot and looked at the camera. Well, one of the things like that gets me hard. I don't know. <laughs> Patrick Maybe Stewart didn't know who Sting was when he came out <laughs> filming to this. Really? In fact, Patrick Stewart uh, wasn't supposed to be in this. It was supposed to be a different Patrick Stewart that David Lynch was trying to get. Called the wrong guy. Yes. And so <laughs> oh my God. They got this one, and so he, you know, he signed up and was in it. But when he was talking to Sting at one point, Sting had said, "You know, I'm part of the the police. You know, a band." And so. Patrick Stewart had thought that then you're the police was made up of <laughs> cops like that singing yeah. a band. You know you need like, to tell me if you're a cop, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wade. And they also, then and then everyone that worked on it also said that all the costumes sucked. Like, as we were mentioning, the the, the guild members and stuff, the, you said they're trash bags, but those were real body bags that people die in yeah. that were used. They were reused body bags, which... That's a little creepy and gross. And David, David Lynch had the option to buy brand new <laughs> yes. ones. And he was like, no. Got to save, save my budget for the, that shield. The shield <laughs> to, How much charge for the vintage you for this? <laughs> Man. Yeah. Oh. And, and as we mentioned, too, before, like Star Wars is a big you know influence from this. Uh, anything from... It's been mentioned in all of nerd culture. Like Rick and Morty... Uh, Scooby-Doo, Futurama, The Simpsons, Spongebob, like, they've all made reference to this. Like, you, anything that has some sort of sandworm has almost something to do with this. I wouldn't say that it always does, but since this came out so long ago, it is very much Beetlejuice. Tremors, uh, <laughs> I mean. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing, right? The idea that a worm comes out, it's like the trifold mouth is in tons yeah. of worm. Tremors is one of them yeah. like that. Which in the new movie they didn't do the tri mouth thing. They did a hole. Yeah, a hole. Yeah, just a whole hole. Just a circle. Yeah. A whole hole? A whole yeah. hole. A whole hole. Oh. Well that would make sense though, right? Because if they're eating the sand and pooping out spice, then they would just be a tube. Yeah. So that the so they, they they don't do that. Well that's what then my mind yeah. that's the way it's staying. They didn't they never <laughs> have ever gotten into the complicated like world of where spice comes well, from, then which that's is what it, then that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's dead, dead worms. Essentially, they like murder a worm. Oh, you mean the like, area that it that they it dies in? Movies. They've they never done this okay. on any of the. Uh, well, I haven't seen the miniseries, which apparently one of my favorite actors uh, of all time, and I'm not lying, James McAvoy. He's great in a lot of stuff that he does. I even liked him as Professor Xavier with hair and uh you know he was in this miniseries i've never seen but outside of that i can say they don't ever really touch on the complicated history of like spice is terraforming but the spice terraforming action is all actually a byproduct it'd be like if we found the world's best fertilizer and it turns out it's chicken shit well, well, that's well, weird. Is. Why is worm castings the coolest fertilizer? Well, I don't know, but they just eat a bunch of cool stuff and turn it into good fertilizer, well, that, it turns that, out. That, that is a pretty natural... Um, it, it makes sense for the analogy of it being basically oil 
in that. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, like the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. dead dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. God, someone, some Q listener is going to, if they're listening to this, going to be like, I heard you you snort uh, chicken poop and it'll give you mind powers now. <laughs> Thanks to you, Nick. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get rid of the 5G. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. I've been looking through some of the different tri- trivia on the, the movie and read a long line of this. They actually talk about um, the sandworms and they actually said that in the finale of the film, he creates rain. Right, mm-hmm. so he makes it rain. And they say in the book they actually talk about the fact that water is fatally poisonous to sandworms, and so by creating rain, he basically eliminates sand, because no more sandworms, they're all dead. Now there's no more spice to come from it. So it'd mm-hmm. actually be a terrible move. So again, it's just like something made up for the movie that doesn't even match the world that it's in. Right, and also right. by making it rain, all those worms dancing, it wasn't anywhere near as sexy as what I've seen and that's in where other it, documentaries it, well, where people make it. Listening to people right. who've read the books that bitch about everything that's not from the books, you know, there's a few of them for the new movie that complain, oh, this wasn't in it, such as the man love, man child love or whatever, or this or that, but in this old one, 1984 one though, I feel that rain didn't happen in the books. No. Yeah, and, like and the idea of destroying the spice that he mentions like midway through the movie. Very weird. That's a weird concept because in the actual books the idea isn't like just destroy the means of production and then we've nailed it, boys. It's more like how do we get the emperor's attention? The whole thing is far more subtle. It's a lot more like like a Watergate scenario where it's like, well, if we really want to defeat the Democrats, what we need to do is send some people into their household with microphones. And that kind of subtlety, right, like the art of espionage is kind of how it's described in the books. And in all the movies, it's always very hard-handed, like, oh, well, if we just go in and kill all the damn worms, then we got to win on this one, boy And it's like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> like, I'm confused. Is Kyle MacLachlan Nixon in this case? Like... Yeah, yeah, he is. He's well, being very so, subtle. Yeah. So one of Kyle MacLachlan is... is the most subtle Nixon you've ever yeah. seen. And his second, Gerald Ford, is about to take control, and you don't know what's going to happen. Those two years, they're going to be crazy. Patrick Stewart, then? It's Patrick Stewart. Okay. I feel like David Lynch did not read the book at all, or any of the lore. (laughs) He did read the book. Because... What? He did read the book. No, because doesn't water, spoiler alert, kill... The sandworms? Like is water exists in abundance on Arrakis. But doesn't the water Several break books down into the series? <laughs> it is so much like I don't even think the five hour extended edition could have captured the amount of time span that would have had to have happened in order for there to be water on Arrakis. The water on Arrakis is so sparse that it is basically the Mojave Desert on a planet. So more like the new movie. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the existence of water does eventually happen because they reverse terraform this thing. It's all about terraforming. Well, that's what they explained in the new one. They have terraforming machines. They were in before they got ambushed. And the Akeens. Moa died in that hallway. Yeah, because Lee Akeens in both this movie and the, movie. New one, and the new one was... Yeah. 
His character, the J- Jason yeah, Momoa. Yeah, like this... old school Jason Momoa. Oh my god, he died so lamely. He got shot in the head. Jason Momoa <laughs> did died. a much better job of dying. Oh my gosh, he killed like so many people before he died. It was great. Well, I think and sexy. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's the sexiest death I've seen in years. I think with these movies, with both, be sure not to go into them with an expectation based on the original written forms of these movies, mm. right? Because not even just the nature of how do I fit five very dense books into movie form, mm. that's difficult, likely impossible, right? And it's not even just about like pleasing fans of the books, just the idea that the little minutia of the book is so important to the overall plot and tone of the story you can't translate that, those little minutiae, without a billion scenes, right? It'd have to be a TV show, and it's eight seasons long. But right? I think it's fun to try to encapsulate it and try to capture the sci-fi. Well, I think you can capture like, elements. Cool. I think you can capture elements of it, right? So it's easier instead of, you know, a movie. Let's take, like, Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones was a story that was all about families stabbing each other in the back like that's kind of the story right all the family subterfuge and like implying things and selling the public on this guy's a bad guy now this guy's a bad guy that kind of thing it works in a series format in a movie format that kind of story doesn't translate well because you don't have all the time for all the little tiny betrayals and backstabbings stick to the this is about the spice the spice has economic or travel value or whatever people want it and then put a little bit of intrigue where you have like the two families, right? Stick to the two families. They kind of do this battling, and it's a lot easier to cover in a film sense that they're fighting each other than necessarily that they're pseudo on-off allies that sometimes, you know, work together where you get the more int- politically intrigue written. So, yeah, just I mean, I don't. I actually, I'll be honest. I haven't seen the second one yet. I'm the only one at the table who hasn't. But I've got to believe your mind's going to be blown, and you're going to be like, what "Yeah, the I'm fuck looking forward to seeing it, right?" In comparison, but you know that was the weakness that I saw in the first film. It was like they were trying to capture the small pieces of it, and that's why you're like scene transition, scene transition. They just chewed up scenes. Oh, like, and those month. transitions and were the just so were great. Great. There, towards the end, there was the weirdest wipe I've yeah, ever really seen. Yeah, really like two circles <laughs> in the sides, and yeah, it was really weird. They're pushing the machinery to the limits <laughs> in the editing studio. PowerPoint is at its absolute maximum with <laughs> yeah. these double spiral transitions. So, David so, Lynch <laughs> is just asking them to turn it up. What are you doing? Turn up the effects. I don't care what they are. Make them pop. So before David Lynch uh, ever got this movie underway, there was earlier attempts to make this. And mm-hmm. one of them from Alejandro Jodorowsky uh would have been a 14-hour movie is what he wanted to make. Hell yeah. Um, he started making it, and then he ran out of money. Yeah, well, pretty much so. That's <laughs> one and a half hours in. So what happened is he, he had uh, a script uh, written from the writer of Alien. Uh, he got H.R. Uh, uh, Geiger to come on and create the, the FX for it. Um He got a bunch of other people. He got Pink Floyd to do some music. Oh, God. Um... You know, he was going to have uh, Orson Welles as, as Baron Harkonnen, Mick Jagger as Fied... Who was it? Fied? Fied, Fied, Fied Yes. Yeah. Was that Oh, Stain? I mean, 
Yeah, that was Sting. They did a really weird job of him in this movie, so let's just... Well, I mean, I I can't see McTaggart being better in it, but, like, he had a bunch of whole other high-profile people. Yeah, are better than police, so maybe... (laughs) But when it turned into being 14 hours, like, that's when the funny kind of (laughs) just got taken away. It was funny, because now that would get picked up as, like, a a Netflix series. That's HBO, bitch. Go for it. Yeah. Well, that's where we kept calling the, the, the sandworms, like, penis-shaped, and, like, if they took some of the original designs from H.R. <laughs> Geiger, I can totally see that now. I understand why it looked so phallic. Dude, I think the Rick and Morty reference is the perfect one that we haven't really explored here during tonight, but, like, the idea that a sand planet has some sandworms, they tend to look like penises, that's, that's probably as Rick and Morty as you can get. Yeah, like, like, what are you, what are you thinking, Morty? Don't come out here. Why? There's giant penis-shaped monsters everywhere. It's a sand planet. Don't you know that, Morty? <laughs> like, it could be a very easily a Dan Harmon storyline for like he can he can riff on that for six hours. I don't know. Do you guys have, <laughs> do you guys have any other notes that you wanted to quick bring up before we wrap up on this one? Well, I can tell you what um, the writer of the book thought of this movie. Okay. If anybody wants to know. Yeah, I would love to know. Because David Lynch actually worked with Frank Herbert on writing this screenplay. And, and this blew my mind. Frank Herbert <laughs> said, as far as I'm concerned, the film is a visual feast. <laughs> oh, how very noncommittal. Yeah. It really fills you <laughs> he up. He wants to frame some of the films still so he can have them around him. Wow. That's especially, what he thought of this. Especially movie. stinging his tiny nipples. <laughs> Freshly steamed out of the press. I'm not here to shit on Frank Herbert, but I would love to have like that still of the baby coming out of the weird the pool? Uh, blood shit. Oh. Like that was a horror movie. That could be that could be like an integral part of any horror movie. Like there are parts of this that were visually very striking, but there are other parts that were not so much. David Lynch did write a sequel to this, too. Did his sandworms still have lightning? I don't know. Obviously, nothing ever happened with it. Hmm. That's going to be one of those museum <laughs> films. Yeah, it turned into Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's going to be one of those film stu- <laughs> or filmography museum finds that someone's like, you know, in 40 years, be like, I was looking through David Lynch's old stuff. I bought, you know, a shed out in Vegas, and it happened to have a... David Lynch original for Dune 2 and it's just going to show up and everyone's going to be like what the hell is he on? Yeah. And they're going to shoot it and <laughs> still be confused. Yeah. <laughs> so like, when right. David Lynch got hired for this the producer, exec producer D- Dino Dino De Laurentiis had watched Elephant Man which is kind of a serious yep. David didn't watch Eraserhead. Ah. Watched Eraserhead after they started filming mm. Dune and was like oh no. This is we made the wrong man. <laughs> so we did, might have made a mistake. Okay, I'm going to ask this, and I'm sorry I'm making us go along, but the question is, uh, David Lynch did one of the Alien movies, didn't he? No. No. Who Who am David I thinking Ridley of? Ridley Scott. No, I'm thinking David of Fincher? a... David uh, Fincher? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 So David Fincher is also a really weird director. Oh, right? yeah. He did Fight and Club. So, 
He he did social network. But his earlier his earlier stuff is yeah. a little weird, uh-huh. like Lynchian weirdness. And Alien yeah. Three for some reason strikes me a lot as like a Dune style sci fi mm. movie. Where it's like, Oh, we're gonna introduce these space renegades and it's gonna be strange and nobody's gonna know what's happening and that's kind of how I feel like David Lynch introduces all of his stuff. Oh yeah, that's all super weird. Everything is so like the- Oh, I'm gonna introduce all this weird shit <laughs> and then you're gonna have to Figure it there's out. A, there's a lady That's that talks that to a log in Twinies. Yeah, <laughs> she was awesome. She, they made people read lines backwards and then play them forward, so it was just <laughs> that weird. <laughs> the gum you like is coming back in style, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> weird David Lynch lines. <laughs> uh, so I got a couple one-star reviews. I only got a couple, but... <laughs> <laughs> These ones were kind of like the highlights that I saw that I thought were My funny. phone so wouldn't play it. One, one was new, one was new, and the other two were when this came out. But the newest <laughs> one was thought I'd watch this one before trying to watch the new one. I fell asleep. Least weird David Lynch movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a most fascinating disaster of genre making. That was just the review. Uh, and then Roger Ebert, who has longer reviews, but I took the best uh, part of that was. This movie is a real mess, an incomprehensible, ugly, unconstructed, pointless excursion into the murkier realms of one of the most confusing screenplays of all time. Even the color is no good. Everything is seen through a sort of dusty yellow filter, as if the film was left out in the sun too long. I think you could apply that to any David Lynch movie, and it would make sense as a review. I think think Ebert would have hated Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like every person is applying a filter to their pictures. Live in sepia tone. So, if uh, I want to go quick around the room uh, to end this up, of if you had to like write a tagline or like some like saying to like what they had put at this movie, what would you do to explain? Why are you doing this to me? You know. No, I'm not doing it, John. <laughs> that's what that's the tagline. Like, yeah, no, I'm no, not doing, I'm not doing it. it. David Lynch, <laughs> four stars. <laughs> uh, Dune, the tiniest nipples in the galaxy. There's a picture of Sting. Yeah, the test don't stand so close to me. Uh, mine would be like, it's weird. Do drugs. Enjoy, and then with like five stars underneath it. I don't, man, I'm also the same. Right? I used to get words of wisdom on this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would probably, I don't even Such know. Because he's been sitting over here thinking about it for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to ask this question. He's like, this will be a good question. No, actually, I was going to ask this question, then I did think, oh shit, I probably should write something down. Okay, Tony asshole. just says, the internet is right. He's <laughs> like, question mark. Like, shit, I should write, <laughs> write something down, and then he proceeded to make himself last. Yeah, yeah. I know, I could have started it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll go before Aaron then. Aaron, do you want to go last? No, I don't. I have nothing. Okay. So you have nothing? I, no, I can't you can't even think of, think of one quick thing no. to to get put I out of the podcast? I think her review was, it was very confusing. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. So <laughs> just, <laughs> but I, I Dude, still don't know the meaning. I learned a lot. <laughs> da, da, da. So just what? Just Two and a half stars. The end. <laughs> huh? I, I wrote down kind of what Nick was saying. Like, if you ever wanted to watch a movie high and not understand what the fuck you just watched, but you also want to do that without taking the drugs. This is your movie. <laughs> yeah. oh. If you want to, if you want to do that while sober. Yes. You may. <laughs> uh, it was a pleasure as always. Uh, 
doing this once a year. I sometimes want to just do it more than once. because it's, it's sixth annual. Yes. But this one, obviously, if listeners have gotten to this point, we're dropping uh, later on around Christmas time. So with that, this is our Christmas break. And so I guess... Merry happy, Christmas, everybody. Yeah, happy, happy holidays. holidays. And uh, enjoy uh, winter because winter is coming. Damn it. Why am I... Fucking hate that show. <laughs> this winter is going to actually be really cold. In Michigan. Bye. Bye. Enjoy an eggnog. <laughs> Enjoy your spice. Oh, Stay thirsty for spice. Why didn't we pair it with a spiced eggnog cocktail? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we just did because I haven't hit stop yet. Perfect. <laughs>